How's everybody doing this morning? Everybody's good? Excellent. Well, we are so glad that everyone is here this morning. My name is Charlie Turner. I'm the lead pastor here at River Rock Bible Church. For those of you who are, are new, uh, we want to welcome you. We are in a series on money. Um, we don't always preach on money. I know sometimes you go to church and you're like, ah, oh, I always go to church and they're talking about money. So just so you know, we don't always talk about money uh, and we don't always talk about giving. This morning, we are going to talk about giving. We are looking at a series on our money because money is, is important, right? It, it impacts every, almost every area of our lives. And in fact, it's, it's a big topic even in Scripture. Scripture talks about money almost more than any other topic. Uh, and so it's important in God's Word, and it must be important in our lives. Uh, the other reason we're talking about money is because Jesus is Lord, He's not just Lord in some like out there, yeah, I say he's Lord, but he, we believe as followers of Jesus that he is uh, Lord in our lives and that that means that we have to obey him in every area of our life, including with our money. And so we saw last week that uh, everything is God's. All of our money is God's. It all belongs to him. We are his managers right? We covered that last week when we looked at our spending and said that our spending has to be uh, governed by our values, and, and it matters how we spend our money. And so this morning, we're going to continue by looking at giving. And we understand that giving matters. Um, it's, it's one of the most important things you can do with your money. And this morning, we're going to talk about why it is so important and why it's one of the things, one of the best things that we can do with our money. But I want to remind you that this whole series uh, is not because we want something from you. It's not because I want something from you. In fact, that's why we went ahead and we took the offering before the message because we, we want you to know this is not about something that we want from you. It's something we want for you. We want you to experience what it's like to bring every area of your life in line with the Word of God, right? Uh, what does it look like to bring this into submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and to follow Him and honor Him? And, excuse me, <coughs> uh, we, we understand that when Jesus says it's more blessed to give than to receive, it's true, and we want you to experience that blessing, to be able to follow Jesus and to be able to walk with Him and understand the true blessing that comes when we're faithful and we honor the Lord, even in our finances. So uh, let's jump right in. So why do we give? Why do we give? Why is giving so important? Well, number one, giving matters because it meets the needs of others. There's several kinds of giving taught in the Bible, but one of them, and one of the biggest ones, is giving to meet the needs of others, especially the poor. If you have your Bibles or if you're on the Bible app with us, then go ahead and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 27. Deuteronomy chapter 27, or excuse me, Deuteronomy 15, verses 7 through 10. <coughs> You'll have to forgive me this morning. I have a little bit of cough. I had it last week. Uh, turns out I had the flu. Woke up on Monday morning with uh, extremely bad fever, spent like two days curled up in the fetal position in bed. Uh, and the cough has not gone away. They did give me some cough medicine. It says I'm not supposed to operate heavy machinery, but it didn't say anything about preaching, so uh, I think we're good, but also I can't be held accountable for anything that I say weird today, all right? So um, hopefully, hopefully it, it uh, goes well. But here we go. Deuteronomy 7. If there's a poor person among you, one of your brothers within any of your gates in the land of the Lord your God is 
in, in the Lord your God has given you must not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward your poor brother. Instead, you're to, be, uh, you're to open your hand to him and freely loan to him enough for whatever he has need, right? So we're not to be hard-hearted. We're not to be closed-fisted. We're to be open-handed to the poor. We're to be generous with the poor and needy. Uh, we read in Proverbs, Proverbs 19, it says, kindness to the poor is a loan to the Lord, right? If you're going to loan to anybody, I would loan to the Lord, right? He can pay you back, right? Kindness, is, uh, kindness to the poor is a loan to the Lord. He will give a reward to the lender. When you loan to the poor, you're, you're lending to the Lord, and he will repay you. Jesus gives this instruction in Matthew 6, 23. He says, whoever gives to the poor, don't sound a trumpet, uh, or excuse me, so whenever you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to, applaud, to be applauded by people. I assure you, they've got their reward. But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Now, what is interesting about this passage is that Jesus doesn't say, if you give to the poor. What's it say? When? Jesus expects you to give to the poor. Jesus expects you to give to those who are in need. It's, it's kind of assumed that this is going to happen. In Luke 12, 33, he, d- he gives this instruction. He says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Make money bags for yourself that won't grow old, an inexhaustible treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. The first Christians took this extremely seriously. We see this lived out phenomenally in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, we read about all the things that were happening, and we see that it says in 2 verse 44, it says, Now all believers were together and held things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed proceeds to all uh, to all as anyone had need. So here's, here's what they're saying. They're saying, you need help? I have something. Let me help you. It's that simple. It's that simple. You need something. I have something. Let me help you. They were giving generously and freely. And in Ephesians 4, 28, Paul says this. He says, the thief must steal no longer. Apparently, they had a problem with stealing in the church. But he says... He's given them this instruction. The thief must steal no longer. Instead, he must do honest work with his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. Now, when I read this verse earlier this week, it struck me because most of us would, would expect Paul to say, hey, the thief, the one who's stealing, needs to steal no more, right? You, you'd think that would kind of be assumed when you become a follower of Jesus, like that's not a good profession anymore. Uh, but he says, hey, you got to stop stealing but he doesn't say so that you can provide an honest living for yourself. Like, that's what we would expect, right? But that, Paul assumes that they get that. No, he says, get a real job, provide for your family so that you can help someone else, right? That's kind of interesting that Paul says, hey, this isn't, this isn't about you. This is about you helping someone else because it's more blessed to give than to receive. You need to be able to help those around you. Uh, John Wesley said this. He said, earn all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. Notice what he didn't say. What didn't he say? Spend all you can. Why not? Because we typically do that anyways. Earn all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. That's a great thing to live by. God desires for us to be generous, to have generous hearts. 
<coughs> excuse me, um, there are, are many more verses on, on giving to the poor. As Christians, it's just expected. Jesus just expects that we're going to give to the poor, that we're going to meet the needs. And there's many ways to do this. First and foremost is this. You see a need, and you meet it, right? You see a need, and you meet it. Uh, mentioned that I was not feeling well earlier this week. It kind of made its way throughout our house. Thankfully, it spared my wife and one of our kids so far. Um, but the other, other three got it, uh, and myself. And just in texting with a couple people from the church, not really talking about it, but uh, it just came up that I wasn't feeling well. And immediately, they were like, can we bring you food? Can we, can we make some soup and bring it to you? There was a need, and they, they tried to meet it. One of my favorite things, one of the things that blesses me so much as a pastor is when I hear about a small group, there's a need within the church, someone is short on rent, someone is, is, uh, needs a car repair, or their washer and dryer goes out, or whatever it is, and I hear later that their small group went and met the need, that their small group got together and just said, hey, there's a need, we meet it. We don't have to go to the elders and say, hey, this person, by the way, they need money. The church should do something. No, it's the people of God saying, hey, we see a need, we're going to meet the need. Um, And it is such a huge blessing to be a part of a church where that happens on a regular basis. Um, So we want to be able to, to do things like this. You could buy groceries for somebody who may need extra groceries. Um, you may just lend somebody your pickup truck because they need, they need to borrow it to move something, right? Uh, when I was in college, one of my friends had a pickup truck that says, uh, had a bumper sticker that said, this, yes, this is my truck. No, I won't help you move. Um, but you're welcome to borrow it, right? Uh, anybody that's owned a pickup knows, knows the pain of uh, always being asked to help someone to move. But if we're being generous, then we'll let someone borrow it. We'll help them with those things. Now, as we talk about lending to the poor, as we talk about giving to the poor, uh, not lending, but giving to the poor, well, the question always comes up, well, what about panhandlers? And uh, I, I would just say this, be, be cautious uh, if you're going to do that. Uh, the, there's a great book called Toxic Charity uh, that I would encourage every Christian to read that, you know, giving to a panhandler might make you feel good, but it might not be the best thing for them. Um, you might be enabling an addiction or enabling to them to not work. Um, I heard a, a pastor who works in Austin, de- close to downtown Austin, uh, talking one time, and he, he was talking to a panhandler, and he said, hey, what if I could help you find a job? What if I could help you get work? The guy said, I just made 100 bucks in two hours on that corner. Where else am I going to find a job that pays me 50 bucks an hour? Now, before you all go out and quit your jobs to go stand on the corner, you got to understand that that... We're not exactly helping when we do things like that. There are other ways to help the poor and the homeless within our community. So I I would just caution you to uh, uh, use caution. Uh, The next way we can help help is by donating to some of our special offerings, like Give a Family Christmas or Benevolence. We're going to look at some of the things that that happen with Give a Family Christmas and our Benevolence Fund in just a little bit. Um, But you can can give to our special offerings, and in doing that, you're giving to the poor. You can give to our our missions trip to Mazatlan. We are working with some extremely poor kids in the orphanages down there when we go. And one of the things, I just want to give you a heads up, one of the things uh, that is going to be a little bit different this year about our mission trip 
is uh, we've always encouraged the trip members to send support letters. Um, and we've always encouraged them to especially start with their small groups. And actually on the 26th, we're going to be having a, a meeting as a team that's going down to Mazatlan to just start writing all of our letters together. We're going to get together, we're going to write them, and we're going to send them out. Um, but other than that, and other than the generosity of this church, uh, in the past we've done fundraisers. We've done barbecue fundraisers and different things like that. Um, but this past summer, as the elders and I w- were on retreat, and we were talking about that, I had, I had been under the conviction for some time, like, man, it just feels, feels kind of icky, like going to my lost friends and asking them to buy a ticket to support a mission trip so that we can go tell people about Jesus when they don't really even believe in Jesus. And I came across this verse in 3 John, verses 6 through 8. It says, They have testified to your love in front of the church. You will do well to send them off on their journey in a manner worthy of God, since they set out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from pagans. Therefore, we ought to support such men so that we can be co-workers with the truth. And I just really came under the conviction that the people of God should support the mission of God. Amen? Let me say that again. Maybe say it like you mean it. The people of God should support the mission of God. Amen? Amen. So what's going to change? So uh, it, it was actually the, the barbecue fundraiser was someone who said, hey, I'm going to work some extra hours and, and I'm going to uh, buy all the meat and everything and then we'll raise some money off that. So here's what we want to encourage. We've also done garage sales and different things like that. If you want to have a garage sale on your own, and bring the money and give it towards the mission trip. You're free to do that. You want to work extra hours and bring the money and give to the mission trip. You're free to do that. If you want to just, out of the kindness of your heart, you, maybe you don't get a, a letter, uh, come talk to Ray, come talk to, to me, and we'll get with our team and say, hey, this person wants to receive a letter for the mission trip. They want to give towards the mission. Send them a letter, right? Uh, you can just put something in the offering plate, but uh, I really believe that, that um, other than the, the letters that we're going to send to people that we know personally, outside of that, I don't feel right going to our community and saying, hey, God's called us to go on mission. We think you should fund it. Seems kind of odd, right? The people of God should support the mission of God. So that's going to be a little bit different this year, and we're going to be relying on you guys. Last year, we we, as a church family, we, we took in $33,000 that sent a team of people to Mazatlan. And so we're asking you to be, to be extremely generous in that. Uh, just one other way that you can give. One other thing you can do is support our local and international partners. You can give household goods to things like the Caring Place, school supplies when there's school supply drives. Um, you can uh, give your time by mentoring a child. Uh, I signed up as a literacy partner through Education Connection, and if you'd like more information about that, I'll be at the Connection table after service, and you can talk to me about that. There's an opportunity to be a part of mentoring children, not only through the school system, but also with Evelyn McLean. Evelyn, will you just, like, raise your hand real quick? She's going to be at the Connections table also uh, if you're interested in finding out about mentoring some of these teenagers who are at risk or already are in trouble. Uh, and mentoring them to help them get their life back on track. You can give services to families in need. Help them mow their lawn. Help them with whatever they need around the house. You can participate in Love Georgetown. Internationally, you can give money to support work among the poor. Um, we, we just understand that Christians 
give to the poor. The first and most obvious reason that giving matters is because it meets the needs of others. Second, it benefits the giver. It benefits the giver. (coughs) Spending to meet our current need makes sense, right? We all need food. We all need clothing, shelter. Saving to to meet our future needs, which is what we're going to talk about next week, also makes sense. But what we don't often think about is that giving actually benefits us when we give we know uh, that there is a return. Uh, so what is it exactly that we get? In Luke 6, Jesus says this. He says, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It will be poured out into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. That first sentence there, give, and it will be given to you. It always comes back to you. Uh, Jesus says, if you give, then you'll receive more in return. Now, I want to pause right here, and I want to be extremely cautious. I'm not telling you if you put $100 in the offering plate, you're going to get 1000 back. This is not health, wealth, theology, right? We understand that, that, yes, sometimes the benefits are tangible. Sometimes the benefits, maybe it is God testing us uh, with our finances to see Jesus already has said elsewhere that uh, if you're faithful in the little things, you'll be entrusted with more. I'm not saying that God can't do that. I'm just saying that that's not exactly how it works all the time. The benefits that we receive are far more than just material. The benefits that we receive, what we receive back, is far more than just material. It's contentment. It's finding out that we're not a slave to money anymore. In Acts 20, 35 we're reminded of the words of Jesus who says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You are more, you are happier when you give than when you receive. There's more joy, there's more benefit. In 2 Corinthians 6, uh, verse, verses 9, uh, excuse me, 9, verses 6 through 8, Paul says, remember this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. Every, every, every. I think Paul wants them to understand that giving blesses you in many, many, many ways. In every way, in all ways, in all things, it blesses you. In Mark 10, verse 21, Jesus has been encountered by a young man who comes to him and says, hey, I've kept all of God's laws ever since I was born. What else do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus looks at him, and we read this in verse 21 of Mark 10. Looking at him, Jesus loved him. Jesus loved him and said, you lack one thing. Go and sell all you have, give, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and then come follow me. Now, Jesus is not telling this man that he can earn his way into heaven by giving stuff away. But because Jesus loved this man, because he loved him, he was able to see into this man's life and recognize that money had become a god to this man. That money was his priority. Money was his god. (coughs) And there was no way this man... This man could start following Jesus until 
he got rid of that idol in his life of money. If money has a grip on your heart, the fastest way to break, some, break that grip on your heart is to give some of it away. Because in giving it away, you declare that I am not a slave to this money anymore. It has no hold on me. I'm giving it away. It does not own me. I'm trusting you, Father. You declare your independence from money, and you declare your dependence on your heavenly Father when you give it away. What a blessing. What a blessing to not let something like that have a grip and have a hold on your life to be able to honor the Lord in everything that you do. Giving matters because it benefits the giver. Jesus said that we're laying up treasure in heaven. When, when I was little, I kind of pictured it like this. Like when I put money in the offering, like it went to a bank account in heaven, and that was how I was going to buy my mansion someday in heaven. Um, but that's not how it works, right? That's not how it works. Why? Because when we give, when we give, what are we giving to? We're giving to the Lord or we're giving to someone else. The two things that last for all eternity, God and people, are the two things that last for all eternity. Uh, and so what we see is that you can't outgive God, right? You can't outgive God. He's going to return and bless you. Lastly, giving matters because it honors God and it advances God's work. It honors God and it advances God's work. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says, Honor the Lord with all your possessions, with the first produce of your entire harvest. Then your barns will be completely filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. Uh, <coughs> you can tell what a person values by looking at their calendar and their checkbook. You can tell what a person values by looking at their calendar and their checkbook. Our, our priorities are spelled out. They're demonstrated by where we spend our time and where we spend our money. And the Bible often, when it speaks about giving, it presents it as an act of worship. It's an act of worship. It's something that we do to honor God. The word worship, our modern word worship, actually comes from the old English word worth-ship, right? It's a statement of value. That when we come and we sing and we gather together and we worship God, we're saying, God, you, you have value, you have meaning in my life. And it's the same when we honor the Lord with our money. We send our money, we put our money uh, in the places that we have value. And when we give money, it says, God, you are important to me. You are worthy of my best. You are worthy of my all. Giving honors God. It also advances his work. In, the, in both the Old and New Testament, God's work in the world was always funded by his people. We've already talked about that a little bit. But in the Old and New Testament, giving, uh, excuse me, God's work was always, uh, always funded by his people through their tithes and offerings. In the Old Testament, the, old, the uh, Israelites gave their tithes to God. They would bring the first tenth of all their income to the temple or the tabernacle, uh, and they would give it there. Right? So they would bring the first tenth to the place of worship, and they would give it there. If they were farmers, they brought the first tenth of their crops. If they were, if they were uh, shepherds, ranchers, they would bring the first tenth of their animals. If they were merchants, they would bring the first tenth of their profits. Whatever the first tenth of their income was, they would bring it, and they would give it to the Lord. And it supported the work of, of the Lord. Um, these tithes were used for a number of different things. It was used for the work of the temple. It was used to pay the expenses of the priests and Levites who worked at the temple. 
It was also used to help the poor. Um, and here's the one that I love. At the end of the year, it was used to throw a huge party for all the nation of Israel. Like kind of a big thank you God party. I don't know about you, but maybe we should have one of those. Like how, how would you guys like to have one of those? Maybe we should try to schedule that. Um, just a party to say, God, thank you. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for caring for us, watching over us this year. Um, just a way to say that God is good. And of course, um, not everyone was always willing to tithe. Not everyone was always willing to tithe. And we read about that in Malachi chapter 3, uh, a passage that many of you have probably heard before, especially on giving. Malachi chapter 3, give me just a minute to get there. Malachi chapter 3, beginning in verse 8, God says this. It says, Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. And you ask, How do we rob you? By not maintaining the payments of the tenth, or the tithe, and the contribution. You are suffering under a curse, yet the whole nation is still robbing me. Bring the full tenth into the storehouses so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this way, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing, uh, a blessing for you without measure. So God says, this is the one place God says to test me. But he also says, he starts with, you are robbing me. The tenth is holy to the Lord. It belongs to the Lord, right? The tenth belongs to the Lord. In Leviticus uh, 27, verse 30, we read, Every tenth of the land's produce, grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. It's set apart. It belongs to Him. It's not yours. It's not yours. Um, think about this, right? I have a mortgage on my house, right? That mortgage is set apart. Holy just means to be set apart, right? In this instance, it means to be set apart. So that mortgage that I pay is set apart to Chase Bank. It belongs to them. It's not mine. I don't get to keep it. Every month, I, I pay that bill, right? Be, why? Because that money doesn't belong to me. It belongs to them. Otherwise, they'll come and take my house. And then you'll see me on the street making 50 bucks an hour, hopefully. Uh, no. I'll get a pay raise. Um, <coughs> it belongs to the Lord. It's holy. And here's the thing. If I didn't pay my mortgage every month, Imagine me walking into the bank and saying, hey, look, I know I haven't paid my mortgage in a year. I know that's your money that I haven't given you, but um, I need you to give me more money. I need you to bless me. What are they going to do? You're crazy. You've been stealing from us, and you want us to give you more? Think about that. You're stealing from us, but you want us to give you more. But how many times do, do we do that to the Lord? We say, God, I'm not going to give you my tithe, but bless me. Bless me. We steal from him, and then we turn around and ask him to bless us. But the crazy thing is, when you read the verses about giving, so often God says, if you'll just tithe, if you'll just trust me with that 10%, you won't even have to ask to be blessed. I will bless you. I will bless you. You don't even have to ask. It starts, it honors the Lord, it funds his work. And we go on. In Malachi chapter 3, beginning in verse 11, he says, I will open the floodgates 
He says, I'm going to open the floodgates. Think about that, that it's going to be more than we can ever imagine. God says, test me in this. Test me. He says, go ahead, make my day. Try me. See if I won't bless you. See if I won't, if I won't continue to bless you. Now, I know there's some of you who are, are out there thinking, yeah, that's, that's great, fine, tithe, that's an Old Testament deal. That was the law, but we're under grace. What is Je- did Jesus ever teach about tithing? Well, Jesus not only spoke about tithing, um, but we're going to see something is that from the very beginning, Christians have believed that those under grace will do far more than those who were ever under the law. That those under grace will do more than those who are under the law. The leaders of the early church believed this. In fact, one of the uh, early leaders of the church from the second century, Irenaeus, said this. He says, For this reason, those under the law had indeed the tithes of their goods consecrated to him, God, but those who have received liberty set aside all their possession for the Lord's purposes, bestowing joyfully and freely not the less valuable portions of their property since they have the hope of better things hereafter, as that poor widow acted who cast all her living into the treasury of God. So he's saying, hey, because we're under grace, we give more. We go above and beyond just what the law requires. Now, did Jesus teach tithing? In Luke chapter 11, verse 42, not only did he teach it, it's like he, he just assumed that it would continue. He says this, he says, Woe to you Pharisees, you give a tenth of your mint and rue and every kind of herb, and you bypass justice and love for God. These things should have been done without neglecting the others. So what's he say? He's saying, hey, you should not have neglected the tithe, but you should have done love and mercy and justice also. Now, here's the thing about the Pharisees. Uh, they had these, most people had these little herb gardens at their house. Anybody have a little herb garden? Um, anybody ever like seen dill? You know how tiny dill is? Here's what the Pharisees would do. They would go pick their dill and they would say, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and one for God. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and one for God. Right? How ridiculous is that? That's how legalistic they were about it. Uh, it it's just crazy. And Jesus is saying, hey, you should have you should have continued to give the tithe, but don't neglect the love and mercy. Don't neglect what matters most. So, yes, Jesus assumed the tithe. Uh, he assumed that we would continue to give um, uh, and that we would continue this practice. And we see that even throughout the New Testament, that, that above and beyond giving was something that just continued through the early church, that they were continually saying, hey, what else can we do? What other needs are there that we can meet? Uh, when you give, you say, God, I trust you to meet all my needs. I trust you to meet all my needs. Now, I often get the question about where should I give my tithe? Um, where should I give my tithe? I personally believe that you should give your tithe to your home church. Wherever your home church is, wherever you're being fed spiritually, that is where you should give your first 10%. Anything you want to give above and beyond you want to give to missionaries, you want to give to somebody else, you want to give to another ministry, I encourage you to do that. But that first 10%, I believe, should go to your home church, your local church, right? Um, how many of you shop at HEB? Of course you do, because we're in Central Texas, right, everybody? When you go to HEB, you don't write a check to Walmart, right? 
when you buy your groceries at HEB, you don't write a check to Walmart. You write it to HEB. So I, I would encourage you, make that your priority, um, to, to be giving to your home church wherever that is. It, trust me, if, if we were at First Baptist and I was preaching this message this morning to a different congregation, if I was filling in for Pastor Kevin, I would tell them, give their tithes to your home church. Maybe give above and beyond to River Rock, but, you know, give your first ten over there. Um, so that's where we should give. So how do we do this? Um, average American is only giving about 3%. Average American is only giving about 3%. And what's really sad is that the average American Christian is not giving any more to charitable organizations or or to their church than the average non-Christian. Right? Our lives should be drastically different from those who aren't following Jesus, who haven't experienced his grace. But how do we start? Um, First, I would say start where you are. Start where you are with the goal of giving towards the tithe, the full tenth. The tithe just means one-tenth. So start where you are. Maybe it's, hey, I I think I can start at 1%, 3%, 5%, 7%. Start where you are with the goal of getting to 10%. And every six months or every year as you sit down and you look at your budget, just challenge yourself and say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you a little bit more. I'm going to trust you a little bit more. Uh, Next, I would say take an honest look at your budget. Take an honest look at your budget because it's interesting the things that we can't afford, right? And I understand that there are people in this room who are just barely getting by. But I would encourage you to think about what does it say about my values when I can afford cable TV but I can't afford to tithe? When I can afford a new smartphone but I can't afford to tithe? When I can afford an extravagant vacation but I can't afford to tithe, right? Just be honest about your priorities, Be honest about your priorities. If God is truly number one in your life, let it be reflected in your budget. Um, Number two, maybe, number three, excuse me, maybe you're a person of faith and you just say, hey, I'm I'm not giving anything right now, but I'm going to take the plunge. I'm going to put God to the test and I'm just going to give 10%. I'm just going to start giving 10% and see what happens. Right? Maybe you're willing to take that plunge. Um, There's a bumper sticker out there. Maybe you've seen it. It says, honk if you love Jesus right? How many of you guys have seen that one? Honk if you love Jesus. I like the one that says, uh, if you love Je- uh, tithe, if you love Jesus, any idiot can honk, <laughs> right? Tithe if you love Jesus, any idiot can honk. Uh, it, it's a statement of our values. Many, the interesting thing is m- many of the tithers that I know, people that I know are, are tithing, say, man, God has blessed me so much. God has given me so much in my life. I am so blessed. And many of the non-tithers I know say, I can't afford to tithe. As Forrest Gump said, that's all I have to say about that. Moving on. If you noticed in Malachi 3, God talks about the tithes and offerings. The tithe is the first 10%. Offering is anything above and beyond that. In, in the Old Testament, they had what was called a free will offering. This was when you just said, hey, God loves me. He's blessed me. He's been so good to me. I I just want to do something special. I just want to come and give something above and beyond to God. Um, And these free will offerings were for a lot of reasons. Sometimes they were just an expression of thanks for worship. Someone's moved by God and said, hey, I want to do more. Sometimes they were for special projects like building the tabernacle or the temple, right? Um, For us, that would be Someday, we hope to own our own building so we don't have to keep paying rent. We could own something. We'd have land. We'd have a place for us to meet. No more set up and tear down. 
uh, the time will come when we take up a special offering for that. Uh, when we launched this church, we had eight families, right? There were, there were uh, uh, 16 adults started this church seven years ago. And in one night, we came together and we had a commissioning service and uh, we, took, we took up a first fruits offering where everybody just said, hey, we want to help this church get started. Here's what we're going to do. We're just going to bring whatever money we can. And those eight families contributed over $100,000 to get this church started, right, in one night. Um, imagine what God could do with the number of families that we have here today. Um, the other thing is it can su- support a specific ministry. It could go to, to missionaries or to local ministry, or it could be for the poor. Um, the tithes and offerings uh, that you give here fund God's work here in our church, in our community, and around the world. And I just want to give you a little glimpse of where your tithes and offerings go. Um, so we've got just, just a little snapshot, a financial snapshot of some things where your, your money is going. So uh, first is that last year, I don't have the full numbers because our, our ministry year goes from September to August. So 2018-2019, um, we, we as a church sent 45K out the door. That was 16% of our budget. 16% of all the money that we received last year, of all of our expenses, went out the door for local and global church planting, disciple making, and missions. All right? That's, you can apply, like, that's a good, like, that's an amazing thing. Most churches shoot for 10%, and our, our church was able to do 16%. This last year at Give a Family Christmas, as I said, we blessed a family with $2,700, $2,700, and we're able to truly bless that family. Um, recently, some of you guys know we had some benevolence needs come up. One was within our church, and one was outside of our church, but as a church family, we, we raised over $2,000 um, to support these two families that had need. Um, uh, we were able to give $2,000. Uh, the money that you give here in your regular tithes and offerings uh, enabled us last year to see 24 salvations. 24 salvations. Amen? <clears throat> 11 of those 24 went on to be baptized. And so far, just since September, September this year, um, we've seen two, come, two adults come to place their faith in Jesus Christ. Our goal for the year is 38, so we've got some ways to go, right? You can be praying for the, the harvest and the labors, praying, what is your role in that? Is there someone God wants you to share the gospel with? But we believe that God is going to allow us to continue seeing people reached with the life-changing reality of Jesus Christ. When you give here at River Rock, it goes to fund God's work in this church, in our community, and around the world. So I just want to encourage you um, to continue praying about what God wants you to do. We are under grace. We are under grace, um, but I am under the conviction, the firm conviction, that for a, as a follower of Jesus, 10% is a starting point. 10% is a starting point for us. Um, and I just want to encourage you, uh, each of you should have, as we close, um, this little response card. <clears throat> this little response card is here. We believe that, that God always calls us to take a next step. And on the back side, you'll see that It says, my next step today is, and there's a number of things listed on here, but one of the things I want you to know is this. Notice there's no room for your name on here. There's no spot for you to write your name. This is between you and God. What is God calling you to do today? Our only only goal in in having this um, for you guys to to submit is that 
we could celebrate as a church family, hey, this many people said they're going to start giving as a response to God's word. This many people are going to start tithing so that as a church family, we can celebrate what God is doing in our lives. So a couple of different options here this morning. One is, I feel like God's calling me to start giving monthly. And you might say, hey, I'm going to give 3% or I'm going to give this much every month. Maybe you are going to say, I'm going to work towards tithing monthly. I'm going to work towards that 10%. Um, Maybe you're ready to just jump in. Maybe you're already giving 10%, but you say, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to go above and beyond. My, my family and I do this. We, um, ever since River Rock has launched, we've always given a little bit above and beyond because we just feel so blessed by God. Um, we just feel like he has done so much in our lives that we want to just on a regular basis um, be going above and beyond. Uh, next is begin supporting a missionary or local ministry. Maybe there's a ministry that you need to get involved in, that you need to go volunteer in. Uh, there are some volunteer opportunities as a, as a literacy partner or a mentor. If you are interested in literacy partner, I'd encourage you to email me. Um, if you're interested in mentoring, again, Judge McLean is going to be out uh, at the connections table next to me, and you can talk to her about that uh, or shoot me an email, and I'll get you in touch with her. Or maybe other. There's a spot on here just for other. Maybe God's calling you to something different, something that's not listed here. And again, um, Uh, We have a box over here. Uh, We have spared no expense um, to to, uh, get this nice cardboard Amazon box for you guys as you walk out today uh, to see we are very frugal. We we use your tithes wisely here. Um, But what is God saying to you? How is God moving in your life? What does he desire for you? It is truly more blessed to give and to receive, and we believe that. That is something that we want for you, not from you. Um, Notice this, there's not a thing on here about dollar amounts. We're not interested in finding that out from you. We just want to give you a chance to respond to God, and then for us as a church family, when we come back together next week, uh, that we could celebrate that together. So uh, right now, the worship team's going to come. They're going to play, and uh, as you leave, does anybody, if you need pens, you can raise your hand. Uh, Vanna, Angela will uh, pass those out. Uh, and then as you leave today, just, just drop your card in the box. Uh, I would love for us to be able to celebrate next week. And here's the thing. You might be thinking, well, hey, 10% of my income is not very much, or 3% of my income is not very much, but that's all I can do. Uh, but here's the thing. If all of us just do a little bit, it goes a long way, right? If all of us just do a little bit, it goes a long way. Uh, I just want to encourage you, Take this time and just respond to the Lord to what he's saying to you.